Hello, everyone. How are you doing? It is Tuesday. You're forty percent into the weekend, into the week before the weekend, and this is the daily Bible reading show. Um, yeah, we're looking at Second Kings chapter one today. I'm sorry we didn't cover very much of First Kings.、Uh, missed out a lot on all these kings and especially Elijah. Uh, but Second Kings is a continuation of First Kings, so we're kind of like in the middle of the full story. And so,、uh, let me pray, and then we'll look at Second Kings chapter one.、Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you continue to speak to us every day.、Uh, please help us to listen. You know, give us the kind of hearts, the kind of minds,、uh, the kind of lives that will want to soak in your word and kind of like, you know, display it. Uh, in a way that gives glory to you, help us to make sense of it. You know, there's a lot in your word that you speak to us that we really need to kind of like take in and kind of apply, and kind of make sense of it, so that you know, there there's kind of joy there and there's kind of、um, application in our daily lives. So help us to do that by your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So we're in Second Kings、uh, chapter one, and.、Um, How shall I do this?、Uh, tell you what,、um, I want to take this kind of slow. I haven't、uh, done this for a while, so I'm going to read through the entire chapter, and I'm going through, going to go through it、uh, once again, and then kind of like make observations along the way. So I'm going to read the whole of Second Kings chapter one, and this is verse one. After Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, "Go and consult Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury." But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, "Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria." And ask them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says: You will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you come back? A man came to meet us. They replied, and he said to us, "Go back, go back to the king who sent you, and tell him, 'This is what the Lord says: Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending men to consult Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die.'" The king asked them, "What kind of man?" Was it who came to meet you and told you this? They replied, "He was a man with a garment of hair and a leather belt round his waist." The king said, "That was Elijah the Tishbite." Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of fifty men. The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on top of a hill, and said to him. Man of God, the king says, "Come down." Elijah answered the captain, "If I am a man of God, 
May fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. Then the fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. <laughs> wow. Okay. Verse eleven. At this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his fifty men. The captain said to him, "Man of God." This is what the king says: Come down at once. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, "May fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men." Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. <laughs> They died. <laughs> so, verse thirteen. So the king. Sent a third captain with his fifty men. The third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, "Please have respect for my life and the lives of these fifty men, your servants, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men. But now have respect for my life." The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, "Go down with him." Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. He told the king, "This is what the Lord says: Is it because there is no God in Israel、uh, for you to consult that you've sent messengers to consult Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron? Because you've done this, you will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die." Verse seventeen. So he died. <laughs> he died, according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Because Ahaziah had no son, Joram succeeded him as king in the second year of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. As for all the other events of Ahaziah's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? And this is God's word. This is chapter one. Very exciting. A very exciting chapter, a fire from heaven, <laughs> killing all these、um, military men, all these soldiers, and the captain together with them. But at the center of this battle uh, between uh, between God and man is actually God's word through Elijah. And this king who is looking for a word from Beelzebub, you know, this king who is choosing the word of an idol. Over the word of God, this king who is choosing to trust something or someone or some god that is other than the true God of the Bible, and you know, notice I think it's three times. You know, the same message comes to the king.、Uh, let me read verse sixteen again. Is it because there is no god in Israel that you have to consult this other god, Beelzebub? Okay, let's let's start from beginning again and see how this tracks. Okay, verse one: Ahab's death. Ahab is the king, the previous king. Ahab dies. Now, verse two: Ahaziah becomes king. Ahaziah is his son, and Ahaziah starts out by falling down. He starts out by having this. Accident, verse two. Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room, whoosh, fell through the the roof, and then he injured himself, got bedridden, and so he's there lying in bed, and he wants to know, you know, will I get better? 
And the way that he tries to find out the answer is by sending his messengers to Beelzebub, his matai, you know, his messengers to Beelzebub, which literally means Lord of Flies. Uh, Baal means Lord. And this is a Lord, a rival God, you can think of it. Another, another Lord compared to the Lord of the Bible. But he's choose, chosen, chosen his side. You know, he wants to find out if he'll get better, if he'll live. And he's trusting in this other God, this idol called Baal Zebub. But along the way, uh, verse 3 the angel of the Lord, the true Lord, said to Elijah the Tishbite, go and meet the messengers. And then he passes them this message. You know, the messengers, they're on their way to Beelzebub. This messenger from God meets them and says to them, verse, uh, verse three, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going off to consult this other Baal, this other Beelzebub, the God of Ikron? And says, therefore, this is what God says, you will die. <laughs> and so the messengers, verse five, return to the king. And the king says, why did you come back <laughs> so fast? You know, why did you come back? And verse six, a man came to meet us. And he said to us, go back to the king. And they give him the message very faithfully. And they convey the message exactly as Elijah passes on to them. This is what the Lord says. Is it because there is no God? that you're sending men to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Therefore, you will not leave your bed that you're lying on. You will surely sail, you surely die. The king's reaction is to ask, who is this man? Now, I think the king kind of suspects, suspects who it is, but he wants to verify his suspicions. He says, who is this man? What kind of man told you this? Verse seven, verse eight, they replied, he was a man with two things, a garment of hair and a leather belt. Now this garment of hair is literally a hairy man or literally a lord of hair. <laughs> Meaning Elijah, very hairy guy, all on his body. Um, and it should evoke images of John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist, they thought he was Elijah because he dressed like Elijah, but also he kind of behaved like Elijah against this, you're going to die. And then there was fire from heaven. You know, John the Baptist was giving this very stern warning of God's judgment. And that's all due to this picture that we get originally from God's man called Elijah here in the Old Testament. And the moment the king heard this description, he thought, that's him, Elijah the Tishbite. And, you know, the king you know, at this point of time, could have done a few things. He could have gone, wow, okay, this is a man of God. I better, I better pay attention to what he's saying. You know, this is kind of like a warning on my life. But his reaction shows that he doesn't really um, see it that way. I think if anything, he wants to teach Elijah the lesson. Hence, you know, in order to hear for himself what Elijah is saying, he sends these armies, you know, sends the captain and the company of 50 men, mm -hmm. verse nine. Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah who was sitting on top of the hill. And he said to him, man of God, come down now. You know, the king commands you to come down now. And Elijah says, okay, you're calling me, you know, calling me out. And he says, you call me if I am a man of God. 
if that's true, if you really believe that, then let fire come down and consume you. And true enough, fire fell from heaven and consumed, burned up. That means burned up everything, you know, until like taco, like barbecue, you left over too long on the, on the barbecue, you know, burned up the captain and his men. And but the key thing there is that if it's true, then let my words be true. I'm going to say that fire is going to come down and true enough, that word was fulfilled. The way in which you recognize that this is a man of God is that you recognize him through his words. <clears throat> That's how you know it's true. But also that you respond to this word, you know, that, that you realize that this word is saying something that will affect you, i.e. burn you up. <laughs> Verse 11, at this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The king doesn't seem to be learning the lesson. You know, the captain said to him, man of God, the exact same thing. This is what the king says, come down and then at once. So he adds the words at once. You know, he's even more impatient. And then Elijah responds in the same way, verse 12. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire came down. And again, a fulfillment of God's word, a testimony that God's word is true and a vindication or an authentication that this really is God's chosen spokesman who speaks God's word. Verse 13, a third time. So the king sent a third captain. This guy really does not learn this lesson. Sends a third captain with his 50 men. But the third captain does something different. The third captain went up and fell on his knees and says, man of God. The other two were, man of God, hey. But this guy falls down on his knees. You are a man of God. He begged, please have respect for my life, the lives of these 50 men, your servants. So they're humbling themselves. These, again, this captain of the guard, all these guys who have armor, who have swords, they're humbling before this guy who, they're, who are now they're confessing as God's man. So that's, that's why it means to call him God's man. You can say, God, 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 but you know, God, we are humbling ourselves before you and before your servant. And they say, verse 14, see, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains. And all, he's probably pointing to the charred remains of all the hundred and two captains, so hundred, hundred men and two captains, all the charred remains that were before him. See, see over there, your word is true. And now we are humbling ourselves before your truthful word. It says, but now have respect for my life. And in response, the angel of God tells Elijah, go with them, go with them, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. And, and an obvious show of mercy in the face of repentance. So, you know, um, God's word of judgment is not just supposed to be this final word, but it's meant to call upon this response of repentance. And it's meant to, make us realize that God is also God of mercy. And so this captain realizes that and God responds in kind. He pours out mercy. He actually tells Elijah to go with this man. And so already a sign of God's grace, God's mercy in response to our repentance to his word. But Elijah goes to the king, verse 16, and he told the king, this is what the Lord says. 
And by now, this is the third time you're hearing this. It should be familiar. So he says, is it because there is no God in Israel for you to consult that you've sent messengers to consult Beelzebub, the king of Ekron? Now, um, Beelzebub should sound familiar because if you remember when Jesus was being criticized, and this is in the New Testament, um, I think if you look in Mark chapter 3 and verse 22, and this is Mark 3, verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub. So same word. This is where it comes from. So 2 Kings chapter 1. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And Jesus says, how can Satan drive out Satan? It doesn't make sense. But it's this claim that Jesus is not leaning on God's power, but tapping into the devil's power, Beelzebub. And here, this is kind of like a, a hint as to where this particular king is leaning towards. He's leaning towards this other Lord, that is the devil, who's giving this alternative word, giving this alternative way to find, you know, find health. You know, he wants to get better from his fall. And God is saying, is it that there is no real God that you're looking for this false God? that there's no word of the Lord, that you've sent messengers to Beelzebub. So that's the first thing, you know, that actually there's something very dark and sinister about this king essentially looking for a second opinion. And Elijah then says, because you've done this, you will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. What do we learn here? What do we see here? Well, notice that this is the third time that Elijah says the exact same thing to the king. And the king just does not listen. And you see here, um, the word does not matter whether it comes through the messengers, whether it comes directly from Elijah, or whether you hear it with your ears or you read it in a book. If it is God's word, faithfully communicated, it's the key word for it is this exact same word, and you continually reject it, then, you know, this is the same word that will judge you and your responses to this word. And it's almost saying that, why didn't you listen the first time around? Why are you finding all these kinds of excuses to try to doubt the authenticity of God's word, to try to find a way out, to find an alternative word, instead of God's word. And in, as a result, God's word rings true. The same way that, you know, the God's word rings true when the fire comes down from heaven. So here, you know, Elijah says three times, you will die in your bed. Immediately he died according to the word of the Lord. And, you know, the, the message there again is, will you respond? Three times it comes to the king. Three times it comes to the captain, but at least with the third time with the Third captain, he repents and he finds salvation, he finds forgiveness, but this king does not because three times he, he rejects it, he becomes stubborn, and God's word of judgment is certain upon him. And I think, yeah, that, that's probably like the big message of this, of this chapter, just about the truthfulness of God's word. If you hear it and it's from God, repent quickly, turn back quickly whether it's the word that comes from like John the Baptist, you know, turn back, you know, from God's judgment, from God's wrath, that's an opportunity to do that, do that. 
or even, you know, the word of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. You know, in the end, it's, it's not that the fire judgment comes down on us, but that God pours out his judgment on his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. I'm not sure if you know this, you, you probably do. If you're watching this, you've heard it again and again and again. But have you ever taken that opportunity to respond? Respond to the fact that God is saying, I'm pouring out my judgment on my son. Will you trust in that word of salvation and receive forgiveness? Or will you wait till the end when all that's left is the word of my judgment, of this anger of over your unrepentant heart? When all that that's when all that remains is just that kind of word, and then that word will become true. Um, yeah. Okay. How's that? Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your word constantly speaks to us. And what we want to do is to constantly repent and turn back to you. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that convicts us in our hearts. And thank you that it turns us back to you. Thank you that there is a word of salvation. There is mercy and there is grace to be found in Jesus Christ, who took our judgment upon himself, who took our fire upon himself, that we might receive this new life, this forgiveness and this new relationship with you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Um, thank you again for listening, for watching. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye.